Diz Life Podcast is brought to you by Pinch of Pixie Dust Travel. People who love Disney understand that life isn't about the breaths you take, it's about the moments that take your breath away. That's why we help coordinate the most magical adventures for you and your family. Disney, Universal, Sandals, Norwegian, Carnival, and more, we are a full-service concierge travel agency that will help with every aspect of your journey. Let us take care of the details while you enjoy your family. Get a quote today by calling us at 570-832-7798 or fill out a trip request form at pinchapixiedusttravel.com. Just follow the second start of the right straight on to your adventure. That's pinchapixiedusttravel.com, where you're making memories one trip at a time. Stop walking while I'm squawking. Caramba, we have something really big for you today. And now, the show that has the whole town cooking. Welcome, foolish mortals. Howdy, folks. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the train and remain seated at all times. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. It's time for this Diz Life Podcast with your hosts, Mark Valentine and Dwayne Willie. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of this Diz Life Podcast. My name is Mark Valentine, and I am the host of this Diz Life Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my one and only co-host, the incredible Dwayne Willie. Hey, everybody. What's happening? <laughs> Uh, Dwayne, welcome to the show, my friend. How have you been? It's been a busy day, but I am ready to just kick back with a couple of friends and talk Disney and legendary rides. Has it been a wild ride today? It, it kind of has, actually. It's been a wild ride. Well, that's perfect, because today we are going to be talking about one of the legends of the Magic Kingdom, which is Mr. Toad's wild ride. And when we talk about legends of the Magic Kingdom, you know what that means. That I we can, we, we have to bring back the one and only Disney historian, aficionado, and the man, now the myth, the legend, local Kirk from Walrus Carp. Kirk, welcome to the Tiki Room Studio, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Always appreciate it. And geeking out on Disney is what I do best. So let's do it. So quickly, just tell us, tell us the tale, not as old as time, an actual brand new tale. Uh, you have moved from New Jersey. You have left us here in the Northeast to relocate, to become a Disneyland or Disney world local. How's that going for you? It's terrible. It was freezing here. It was 93. I don't, what is it? What is it up North today? <laughs> Uh, it's about 68 and rainy. <laughs> oh, 68 and rainy. Yeah, it was sunny in 93. Uh, honestly, it's I mean, it's such a crazy we were talking about this before we uh, went live. But the difference of how you Disney after you move versus when you're making trips is very unique. And it's nice. It's a change of pace. And uh, I, it's like one of those things where you just go, I should have done this years ago. Dwayne and I consider us <laughs> jealous. But we are we're very happy for you, man. We're excited for you. And um, we're just jealous on our end because we're still stuck in rain and 60 degrees right now as you're living your best Disney life. Uh, big thank you. Thank you so much to our audience. 
uh, for being with us every single week and for making our show and our network a part of your Disney life. Uh, don't forget, you can catch our episodes over at thisdislifepodcast.com. While you're there, click the subscribe button on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating and a review on either Apple or Podchaser. We are on Instagram at This Dis Life Podcast. We're also trying our best on TikTok at This Dis Life Podcast. And we have an incredible Facebook group. And if you enter groups and you search This Dis Life, you will find a collection of the finest Disney peoples. We are a brand new affiliate for Kingdom Strollers. Don't forget, Kingdom Strollers provides premium stroller and crib rentals delivered straight to your theme park resort, hotel, or vacation home free of charge. As a family-owned business started with the goal of allowing their family to spend more time together, it's been their mission to make your vacation as stress-free and convenient as possible so that you can spend more time with your family. Did you know on average, Kingdom Strollers saves you up to 50%, that's right, 50% versus the theme park rental pricing to give their guests even more peace of mind you can count on kingdom strollers to be compliant with any updated theme park policies you can find our affiliate link in the show notes section when you book a stroller through that link you help our show and our network out we realize you have a lot of choices when it comes to renting a stroller for your orlando area vacation but kingdom strollers goal is to be your first choice every single time because your time together as a family is very important to them They want to thank you for your consideration. From the Kingdom Strollers family to yours, they want to thank you for letting them be a part of your vacation. If you're a fan of the show, uh, consider becoming one of our incredible Patreon members. You can support us by visiting patreon.com slash thisdislife. Our Patreons have access to bonus content, special VIP live streams, early access, and much, much more Thank you to Katie Blomberg, Sarah Thurgood, TJ Bortel, Andy Johnson, Allison Crouch, Derek Collier, Anthony Lowry, Robert Clouser, and Libby Grant. They're growing, Dwayne. The Patreon is growing, and we and love they're them. They're wonderful. They're wonderful. <laughs> so let's get right into it. I love, gentlemen, let's just say I love this series. Legends of the Magic Kingdom is near and dear to my heart. Kirk was in the midst of an epic move. So we knew instinctively that the second visit to the Legends of the Magic Kingdom was going to be a little spaced out. Understandably, he had stuff going on. But now that you're here and back, let me just say from me and Dwayne how excited I am to be having this regularly be a thing again. And also just as a prep There's nothing ironed out, but Kirk is going to potentially be lending his voice to a live stream and maybe like a simulcast for the Dislifers at some point. We're still ironing out like what that's going to be. But I have to say, again, if you're a fan of like Disney history, hidden Mickeys, just knowing what's going on in the parks, go over to his Instagram, his TikTok, his YouTube. Kirk has provided, let's not just say entertainment but like infotainment on the parks. He has a real sense of the history of what you're looking at. And when you look through the parks, through the eyes of Kirk, you like, you see it in a whole different way. There's so many channels out there, dude, that are just doing the bare minimum of like news. The thing I love about all of your socials, like you're really adding value. Like you're, you are adding value to like purists and Disney fans that you're giving them something different and even the food reviews that you do are just, yeah. bro, like 
they're they're so incredible. I feel like I'm watching um Adam Richman and he I love the way he would describe food when like you go into more than just like here's the ingredients. You always like give us notes of, you know, th- this is what I'm picking up or hints of this and you know, here's a really strong ingredient that's standing out. Like you do such a good job in describing what the food is like that a lot of times I will base what I try upon what you're doing. So I like the, the rating system as well. That's fun for me. Yeah. You know, to see where you've put it kind of, you know, is it a 3.8 or I saw one the other day, you gave something like a 2.2. I was like, Ooh, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the lowest I've ever gone is the poor and unfortunate souls float, which was from last year or the year before at storybook treats. It was an Ursula cream cheese soft serve over black cherry cola gross which is a shame because i really like black cherry cola i didn't you know the x factor i'm gonna say you really liked cream cheese soft serve no no not at all have you done i'm just curious to see what your take was on the backside of water flute just curious no honestly i didn't get a chance to go there and uh it was yeah we ran out of time um just before all the 50th stuff uh, turned over and I missed the backside of water float, but cotton candy sounds like it probably was a winner. Um, so I don't know if you really missed anything. If I'm being honest with you, do you like ca- cotton candy ice cream? It's okay. Okay. Like so my then, kids love that and love water ice and everything, but yeah, you didn't miss out. Then if you're not crazy over cotton candy ice cream, then no, you mm. definitely didn't miss anything because to be completely and totally honest, that's, that was what it was. It was okay. cotton candy ice cream served over Sprite. And the cotton candy was the only and pretty much the dominant flavor. And it was very sweet. I, I do like when they use different sodas and different bases rather than just like a normal generic juice. So I'm always a fan of that. I mean, we get so many Dole Whip variants. And by the way, I'm a huge Kakamura fan, uh, which is that coconut one over at Aloha Isle. Yes. That has been retired for you know, the time being with the 50th, the tropical serenade over pog juice, heaven, pure heaven. Okay. It's my favorite variant I've ever had. Okay. As long as what replaces the Kakamura float is quality, then I'm, I'm okay. Basically take the Kakamura float, make a better version of it because I think pog juice is better than blue curacao because you get this, I, I don't know. To me, the pog juice has this sweetness, but it doesn't have the acidity that you would get from pineapple, and it just makes it a more enjoyable experience. Uh, the only drawback is I think the cake pop is better on the Kakamura, but hey, who am I? Dude, this is why I love your food reviews, though. It's not just like, <laughs> it tastes good. It's <laughs> helpful. Yeah. I lo- and again, check out all of his socials at Walrus Carp over on Instagram. But Kirk, again, you know, you know you, that uh, we're, we're fans that we, you know, we've often said this and the dad jokes are always very welcome. Uh, really quick too, before, just as a thank you, before I really launch into the history of Mr. Toads and we talk about everything and get into the ride itself from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being the inaugural sponsor of Dwayne's Disney trivia. Yeah. Um, amazing. Awesome. Like you kind of, dude, you set the bar, but you kind of like broke it by offering a hundred hours of merchandise from like the website and I can say the person who won it, KDB, was like so over the moon excited. It, I, and I'm, I'm being completely honest. It could not have gone to a better person, like a fan, that she has been like singing on the mountaintops how much she loves <laughs> the glasses and the shirts. So like it went to a good home 
but like, yeah. dude, thank you. One, thank you for sponsoring it. Thank you for like, just kind of jumping off the ledge with us and, and saying, guys, I'm in, I'm all in because like, that was really awesome to like get off with that, that kind of start. So we were just so thankful for you as, as you. the first sponsor. Well, you guys are super welcome, uh, honestly. And this is the reason why I do anything with you guys is that it's a pleasure. You're true Disney fans. You reach from a, a, a point of positivity and try to present that and exemplify that and make that voice louder. There's too few of that in the Disney community. And uh, I like to appreciate the parks rather than just break them apart. And you guys are all a part of that. So I'm yeah. willing to... Uh, help any way I can. And you know, like we're a small business and uh, we're growing too. So if we can grow together, let's do it. Amazing, man. Let's do it. Let's talk rides. So Mr. Toad's wild ride, uh, again, a perfect follow-up. We have a 20,000 leagues under the sea episode. That was just brilliant where we hung out and talked about my favorite attraction as a youngin. Uh, this one would probably fall number two for me, but Mr. Toad's wild ride is, it was, was there is still a version of it i want to say over in disneyland in california which Dwayne and i will check out but mr toad's wild ride was a dark ride um it was an opening day attraction it is inspired the story is inspired and based upon disney's adaptation of the wind in the willows and was one of the two segments of the feature film the ichabod the, the adventures of ichabod and mr toad one of my favorite and probably one of the most influential uh, animated films when I grew up, just because of the lasting impression that the headless horseman made on me as a kid, terrifying, but it was like one of those, I was scared to death of the headless horseman, but I couldn't turn away. So this was like a very impressed, like I was very impressioned by this animated film. Um, it was a very successful film as well. Uh, so what were, and really just like from a very basic level before we even get into the X's and O's, what, what are your memories around this ride? What do you recall or remember most of all? Dwayne, you take it dude first. Um, for me, uh, I just kind of remember how that it was, uh, kind of helter skelter. You know, to me, it was like, you know, you came in and then all of a sudden you're about to run into a wall and then boom, it's a hard right. And then, you know, it was all those kind of movements that I found really as a kid, especially that was a lot of fun. Uh, that's the thing that I remember the most is being, you know, in that car and almost like the car was completely out of control. And every, you know, every obstacle seemingly you were going to run into. And uh, that, that to me was one of the things that jumped out. I enjoyed that. To me, that was a lot of fun, especially as a kid. You know, that was that was exciting, enjoyable. Kirk, what do you recall most about the ride as a kid? I think it was um, one of the quintessential times for me to define what a dark ride was and like a classic dark ride, you know, because everyone has a concept of what a roller coaster is. But to me, Mr. Toad's with even the plywood and backlighting, you know, with that black light type paint, uh, very jerky, as Dwayne mentioned, that's very typical. 
Uh, and then just great theming. I love the fact that there was two queues and two different rides. And then of course, at the end, going to hell with your parents is hysterical. So yeah. always made me laugh. <laughs> the demons and the devil there. For- yeah. Which is, you know, <laughs> a little darker for Disney. And I appreciated that it, it went that direction. So I don't have very strong memories of this ride with the exception of that final sequence of hell. I do remember and recall that sequence again, because it was really dark and much of the other ride, I just remember it being really bumpy, like really crazy that you were kind of being pulled in different directions. And then I just remember hell. I watched the YouTube video earlier today to kind of reminisce and look back. I always will remember the hell sequence, but the only other sequence that I remember was that one part in the middle that was like the town square where the A track and the B track would meet. And so you would see other riders on the other side of the ride. I don't really remember the nuances and the differences between track A and track B. Um, but I do really remember my only memory, my strongest memory of the ride was hell. Unlike 20,000 leagues under the sea where I like when we did that episode, that was like muscle memory that I remember everything I felt on that ride. The anxiety I felt this one, I don't recall as much. I don't know why it's not as vivid for me. And it didn't lead. See, see, reflexively, I see I'm like the polar opposite of you where I had been on maybe 20,000 leagues, maybe like five times in my life where this was a staple at least twice when we would go to Magic Kingdom with my parents. Mm-hmm. It was one I couldn't stop talking about Mr. Toad. I think I think because he's just such a great egocentric manic crazy. He gets so excited about something and goes all in <laughs> rewatching it today him uh freaking out about motor cars and his eyes glaze it over just i don't know it always makes me laugh he's such an iconic character you like the uh, cruella deville the cruella deville eyes the ride sequence itself was really 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 fun yeah i remember the cruella Mm -hmm. deville eyes were and she was a she was a mad driver too yes she was i wonder if they went to the same driving school dude (laughs) i also you know one other thing i just thought of that i i vividly remember and i did the same thing i watched the youtube video again today but the other thing that I really remember was the train, the light of the oncoming train, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, as you were about, that was something, I mean, I remembered that the second I saw that again, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember that. You know, I, me- I remember the police officer. I remember uh, McBadger. I remember Winkies cause he was spitting the beer and I was like, what is that? You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> as a kid, you know, you're trying to understand what a bar is. Okay. So I want to ask you guys that, do you recall or did you think as a kid that the stuff that you were seeing, one of the th- one of the criticisms or the critiques that people have launched against the ride was it had very like un-Disney like adult themes that there was alcohol, that you went to hell, that there was Satan. Do you recall like as a kid even thinking about those elements of it or the women that no. looked very risque to me as a kid, like things just went over my head. Yeah, I, I think um, much like not humans really don't change all that much. Right. Uh, it's usually the adults that complain about things that don't really exist for other people, you know, and, and that's OK. Um, it's just a shame that uh, this ride was axed because of it. I just again, that that's crazy to me. There are movies that I'll go back and watch that I hadn't seen since I was like nine or ten. I'll go and I'll watch it. And I'm like, man, I really did not catch all that innuendo. Well, there. did you know that Ichabod in this in this film, Ichabod is like a womanizer. Plus, that dude can eat. You think I eat a lot when I'm in the parks. Homeboy can throw down some snacks and food. I mean, basically, he was dating 
any woman he could in town as the teacher of the town just to get food. He was, <laughs> he was a player. He was, he was like, show me, show me your, your kitchen spread. <laughs> right. <laughs> what do you got? What you got in your kitchen, girl? So, um, like its counterpart in Disneyland, not a thrill ride, slow and quiet. Like most dark rides, as Kirk just said, it came to kind of typify and exemplify what it, what a Disney dark ride was to be. Um, the vehicles would make sudden turns. It was kind of the quintest. It was the gimmick or the gag of the ride itself that you would seemingly look like you were going to crash into a wall. And then at the last minute, turn away or an object at one point, uh, the, the tracks actually in Walt Disney, if timed correctly, you looked like you were going to actually collide with the other track. And over time, and we'll talk about this, when Disney changed its philosophy to just getting as many people on the rides and like really just like maxing out their capacity, they had less chance of sinking that effect. So over time, like that effect wound up being thrown away by the 90s when the ride was taken away. Eisner was more concerned with just packing the rides and like capacity and basically like shuffling bodies through a queue that almost never did that effect happen like it did throughout the course of the 70s and 80s. The ride itself was very simplistic in its design. It it had, you know, plywood, backlighting, you know, only now, even in Disneyland, they really didn't have a lot of 3D characters and 3D effects. It basically just had painted plywood and used backlighting to create this effect. And even the track itself was really simple. You know, they would put like bumps on the ground to simulate, you know, different effects. But the ride mechanic itself was pretty simple. And, you know, it kind of showed what Disney was able to do with a very simple concept, but do it and execute it in a way that made it seem fantastic. And that's what Disney continues to excel at, you know, whether it's Pepper's Ghost or, um, you know, even even other dark rides, they are able to execute their vision or the execution of something, even it's in its simplicity, winds up pre- being pretty fantastic, is why this ride is kind of a testament to Imagineering itself. You know, uh, my take on it, too, is that history is very transitory and most people have very short-term memories and complain about things where almost budget constraints, which happens all the time with rides, is always a constant issue and a constant battle. Uh, for example, Pandora, you look at Navi River and people are like, what even is that? What's going on? And it's they ran out of money. So they, had to, they wanted to have two e-ticket attractions in there. They did the best they could with the budgets they had. And even for Toad Hall was originally supposed to be the facade for both Disneyland and Disney World. But they ended up going with that more medieval tent because it was more cost effective to be able to open the ride. And in my opinion, is it's better to have it and then adjust in the future, which is what happens with the Disneyland version is they get a really, really nice update mm-hmm. um, and they get the toad hall that they deserve. And yeah, it's it's but budgetary constraints have always been an issue. Yeah, I think that when you look at the history again the history of disney it's really hard it's hard to be critical because everything that happens happens in a in a certain financial climate it happens with different leadership and it's really easy to play monday morning quarterback or you know monday morning i used to call it monday morning historian and question the decisions that were made when they were made you know even even the 
the end of this ride. It's really easy to look back on, you know, the Eisner days. And I I don't want to get overly like, I don't want to get overly like political with the history of the company itself, but like Michael Eisner is, you know, uh, let's just say his legacy with the company has not aged well. It hasn't, you know, that as time has gone on, people have looked at his tenure with the company um, and they have many have not done so with with great fondness. But Eisner was brought in to do a specific role. His focus at that time was decidedly on animation. And like people spend so much time talking about how Michael Eisner failed the parks. But, you know, there's two sides to that coin. People don't forget that under Eisner, we had some of the greatest Disney animation like ever, ever. And so, you're, you know, no one's ever going to be perfect. And so Eisner did gather a lot of IP or create a lot of IP that then would infuse the parks with later generations of rise and intellectual property that's going to serve the future of the company in the next generation. So yeah, I, and you know what I, I would actually, I'm going to come to his defense on the park side of things because you get a gate opening up in Europe. Granted, they took a little bit of a misstep calling it Paris versus Europe. That's fine, but you wouldn't have a park in Europe. Uh, and they open up studios mm-hmm. and expanded Disney Springs with Pleasure Island. All fantastic memories of when I was a kid going to MGM or going, knowing that Pleasure Island exists as a kid. You're like, oh, I wonder what they do there. You know, it's yep. just, it was like a fantasy place. And uh, mm-hmm. absolutely love the fact that we have those things Dude. It's, it's disjointed. It's not perfect, but who cares? Yeah. Well, it's done. great, great point. And, you know, to, and to that point, every journey begins with the first step. You know, you, you can't sometimes judge the entire journey by just the first step and there's always missteps too. So, you know, that's like just a really fascinating point about Eisner that, you know, for F, let's just call it a four year consideration. All right, guys, well, what you, do you hang on? Hang on real quick. I want to do one more yeah. thing about history of picking up the IP because you mentioned that with Eisner. But people forget that Walt Disney bought a lot of intellectual property or brought over intellectual property that was in public domain. You know, things that were made in the 17 or 1800s and brought them to light in amazing animation. So he took something that was previously done. And then added a story, added music, added amazing animation. And that really created these stories for the newer generations. But these were all books that were written in the same thing with The Wind in the Willows. This was uh, acquired by Walt in 1938, and they tabled it because he didn't like the initial sketches of the animation. And it wasn't until I think it's 1948 this actually officially comes out. And that's why it ends up being a 1951 uh, opening day attraction at Disneyland. So. So how do you want to start talking about this, this ride? What do you, what do you want to go into first on the X's and O's of the ride itself? Yeah. So I think, um, the most interesting thing is to talk about the ride layout, right? So hang on, I'm going to pull up a map real quick. And, uh, honestly, the ride layout itself is pretty unique because it's different spaces depending on which park you're in, but we're going to just focus on magic kingdom today. And they had two queues. I don't know if you have, do you have any images up? I don't see it. Oh, you do have it up. All right, cool. Yeah, if you want to go back to that, um, this is side by side. On the left-hand side, you see Winnie the Pooh, which is the exact same show building. That's why it has the same size, but it shows the track layout, which changed dramatically from the right-hand side, which is Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. And that front 
bottom right-hand area, you'll notice Q area A and Q area B. Those were the two different sides that you would load into these Mr. Toad cars, which, by the way, have really fun character names. There's one for Ratty and Molly, and Mr. Winky has one, Mr. Toad has one, and all the cars had different paint and landscapes. But the beginnings of the rides were very uniquely different. Uh, Q area A, they both would start into Toad Hall, but Q area A or track A would lead into a trophy room and then into a kitchen and then into this gypsy camp. And then the two tracks would kind of collide in this one-way street and then move through a very, very similar ending sequence, which, of course, ends us with the train and uh, us going to hell. We're... The Q area B or track B brought us into a library, a blackout scene, a barnyard where you smash through a barn and there's a bunch of chickens that fly out too as well. Uh, and you'll you'll notice there's very different characters. There's de- very different sequences, which uh, I think uh, the better question here is, did you guys have a preference and for either a track or a scene? Because they were very uniquely different. So to be completely honest, and again, I didn't recall the specifics of either one Save for Hell and the Town Square. But if I had to pick, after watching you know, multiple YouTube footages of both tracks today, decidedly, I think the people on B got a better show. If I'm Agreed. If I'm just being honest. I 100% agree. The only thing that I think... Um, you kind of miss out a little bit on is you don't get the, uh, the bar scene in B, but everything else I think is naturally better. The library is cooler. You get to see, um, McBadger in there as well. There's, there's just better sequences like the hay sequence. When you're going into the barn, it tries to drop on you and you blast through it. And there's chickens like kind of almost reminds me of, you know, in a cartoon when you would get hit in the head and then a bunch of birds are like floating on your head. That was kind of the, the concept of that cartoony section. And then that's when we intersect in the wrong way, one way, you know, right in that center. And then to me, the coolest, and you had mentioned this gag was only worked if you sync them up and sent the cars out at together is uh, around town square. You would go around that fountain in the center, which I thought was always really cool that you would be like side by side with another ride vehicle. It was almost like you were racing, you know, as a kid, especially uh, anything that has wheels, you think you're in charge of. Although my kids absolutely, they've fallen in love with, uh, since we moved down, they've never been on Smuggler's Run until we moved down. And now every time we're at studios, we have to ride it at least once. And it is hysterical and so much fun to ride with the kids. So like anything that's interactive or faux interactive with kids driving, steering, speedway, any anything like that is so much fun. My daughter is now tall enough to drive her own vehicle on the, on the Tomorrowland Speedway. So like look out. But I mean, you would think that she just got her permit or her driver's license because she like she has a swagger about her when she goes on that now. Well, they did, have you or did you get her a driver's license when that was still a thing? Well, they just came back, but no, they before came back. Yeah, the driver's licenses just came back. By the way, oh, that's exciting. FYI, this week, breaking news, dude. Mark breaking it right here on the pod. Not me, as in much. I saw it on Instagram. I can't. I can't. No, he even, didn't. He was there in the park. Yeah. He saw it first. He beat <laughs> WD. 
He beat everybody. We, we actually stole it from Mark. So we actually, and legitimately Dwayne can attest to this. I broke the news that the gingerbread houses were coming back. I was about a week and a half ahead of every other news outlet, but because we are us, like we're small, nothing like crickets. And then when all the big, you know, media outlets came out and they're like generating all this buzz and it's like, yay, they're coming out. It's like, I've been telling everybody this for a week and a half. It's all good. The audience has to grow, man. There's there's something uh, that's called network effect. You just need to keep growing the network. Yeah, no one believes no over time. Yeah, no one believes you when you're our size. They're like, oh, until I hear it from those guys over there, it's not real. So <laughs> exactly. track A. So how is track A different? So you gave us the the scenes yeah, in so track can B. You, can you pull that back? I up? can. So that's yep. the easiest way that I can I can look at it. So the trophy room had a bunch of heads. There was actually a really cool alligator head that was in there. There was a, a lion head. And then once you busted through that, so like you, you mainly st- stayed in Toad Hall if you went track A, where in track B, you're only in the library and then you're out. You're, you've already moved out of Toad Hall and you're into the barnyard in the barn. So you hit the trophy room. You exit out of that. You're now with like wait staff with dishes in a kitchen. And then you piece through that. And now you're finally outside going through a fortune teller gypsy camp is what they call it. But it was basically a fortune teller with a crystal ball standing and hanging, hanging around like a wagon. And then you went into that one way street. Listen, I'll tell you this. Either way, you weren't coming out alive. Track A or track B. You were you were heading you were heading down that dark tunnel towards that shadowy place. Yeah. And you got run over by a train, you know, what a way to go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As, as black widow says, or the new black widow says, not, not a cool way to die. This is a very decidedly uncool way to die. I actually really like when they changed the hell sequence to have the lawyer in there because previous it was a plywood, very large devilish Satan kind of character. And then the little red um, devils, which I'm glad that they came back as 3D animated characters or or moving characters versus just the plywood. Uh, But then putting the, the lawyer in there, that really intensified the hell thing. And that's really just a joke for parents, which I absolutely loved. Yeah. So here is my one contribution and fun fact. Other than this, I'm completely useless other than to drive the conversation today. Um, in my research, and fa- I found that it was nearly another ride entirely. So interestingly enough, um, Mr. Toad, like when they were looking at track A and track B, was not the only candidate that they were vetting or looking at as being a potential story. The animated film, again, is split. So you have Ichabod and you have Mr. Toad essentially splitting time in that animated feature. There was a discussion, and while the trigger was never pulled on it, they had contemplated making the ride based on the other half of that animated double feature, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. So presumably, you would have had the riders being chased down by the Headless Horseman, which, dude, I'm just going to go on record to say... I would have been all in for that because from that animated feature, that was the one that even to this day has left such a lasting impression on me. It's one of my favorite moments to the, in the boot to you parade too, when the headless horseman pre- oh, yeah. precedes the parade yeah, and like comes out and you're just like, Oh yes, that was so menacing as a kid to see the headless horseman chasing down Ichabod. And, and, you know, he thinks he's safe on the bridge and nope, you're going to get the flaming pumping and you are going to die. I'm still on the record as the boo to you parade is my favorite. It is. 
I that love that song parade. is a banger too. I love it. It really is. It, or as the kids so are well calling done. it, a bop. <laughs> it is. That is a bop. It's. A, I also uh, another bop uh, is. I just saw the um, Hollywood Studios. I was talking to a cast member last night, and she was telling me that the uh, it's World of Animation right now is going on, and they're not listing show times for it. So it starts at nine o'clock. It's really well done. It has a lot of Walt quotes if you're into that history and integrated with animation. But one of the bops on it, and I never really recognized, but it's a Wreck It Ralph song that they play a lot in Tomorrowland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it the is it the when will I see you again one? Yeah, but it's but it's like Owl City? Tomorrowland Fide, you know, is the best way to put it. And it's it's like very technically it's like the remix. It is remix. Yep. <laughs> remix. I am uh so whenever we watch the Booty You Parade, or whenever we would watch the Booty You Parade, or even now following behind any equestrian cast members. There is always another cast member who is following them. And I always am sure to yell out to that cast member. You're the real hero, bro. You're the real hero because I have seen now on at least four or five occasions where that horse will defecate right on the middle of main street, USA. And it's a, that would be the poo to you parade. It's a crappy job, man, but somebody has got to do it. (laughs) I was like, dad Dude, joke. jokes, dum, dum, dad jokes and coming, <laughs> <laughs> man. I, I really pooped that one up. Didn't I? Yeah, so total crap during the 1990s. So the, the ride wound up developing a cult following. Let's just say it was a fan favorite for a multitude of reasons, but let's just say that in the 1990s, then under the CEO, Michael Eisner and under his management, Disney park started to undergo. And again, you know, we could get, I would like to get into some of the nuances as maybe what contribute to contributed to the death of Mr. Toad specifically, but it's, it's been sort of convoluted and there's, there's such a muddled debate and discussion as to why exactly the ride was disparaged. People have pointed to, and Disney parks were undergoing significant budget cuts at that time. Attractions that were, let's just say outdated, one out attractions that were too costly attractions that were, you know, thought to be more marketable started to take precedence or, you know, that that was the idea that started to take precedence. Eisner had an affection and an affinity for Winnie the Pooh. And you could, you can see that in a lot of marketing material. So this wound up being the case with Disney world's version of Mr. Toad's ride. So before the closing, And this is, so here's another thing that I just want to say, and maybe we can get on this soapbox. There is no, there is no surefire way to have people come out of the woodwork with any ride than to announce its closures. The ride will be decidedly empty, like always until the ride is announced that it's getting closed. And then all of a sudden, like people come out the woodwork to say, oh my goodness, why would you get rid of this? It's beloved. It's amazing. I go on it every time, but, but the ride time is always at 10, 15 or like five minutes, or it's just, there is no line whatsoever. Maelstrom forever. Yeah. I mean like Maelstrom, (laughs) well, Maelstrom is a perfect, no, Maelstrom is a perfect example. Perfect, perfect example. I never realized there were that many Maelstrom fans out there until Maelstrom was gone. And now it's like the rallying cry, dude, great movie ride. Another, we've talked about the great movie ride on this show before. Great movie ride near the end. I recall very much near the end because that was when the first few times that we were taking my daughter, 
I never once waited for the great movie ride. Nobody went on the great movie ride. And I'm like, where is everybody? Like I hadn't been to studios for like 10 years prior. And now I'm on the great movie ride. I'm like, there used to be lines. Weren't there lines? Where's the lines? Like what's happening? You don't know what you got till it's gone. There you go. That's it. There you That's go. That's really, I mean, there's, there's so much of that FOMO and, you know, going back to our very first uh, legends of the magic kingdom with 20,000 leagues being departed by just closing for a supposed refurb that ends up two years and then they drain the lagoon. You know, I, people were really enraged that they didn't even get a chance you know, so that's kind of the build up to where we're going with Toad <laughs> and the announcement. Yeah. And it's it's like rumor mill right now in a newspaper article. And that's what leads us to kind of where Mark's taking us. So, well, I, OK, so then here's another just really funny and fascinating discussion about fandom. So they screwed up decidedly. They screwed up with the way that 20,000 leagues under the sea was retired. They didn't tell anyone it went, it went down very unceremoniously. It literally disappeared. So now the brass decides, Hey, listen, we didn't do right by the fans with that one. We're going to do a solid for y'all. We are going to announce while we don't have a a specific date, we're going to let you know that the company is going to move in another direction. Mr. Toad isn't as popular of an IP or again, whatever the reasons are, we can kick those around you know, now if you want, but they decidedly say, we're going to allow the fans to get their proper goodbye. And the fans in a, the same fashion, were not happy with that either. So they were mad when the ride just closed down without any real notice. Then they were mad when they were told that the ride was closing down. So this gets to a much deeper discussion that maybe we'll have later on in this episode is people, people think that, you know, their, their thoughts or their voice and them screaming is going to change what Disney does. I was, Disney knows what they're going to do. They're just, they're just kind of filling you in. They're just letting you know. They're just yeah. letting you know, we're going to do this. Well, and and I would say some of the people we can, obviously I'm sure there were the ones that were really mad about the whole announcement and having time, <laughs> but I I actually like when people just take the time to even a, a peaceful protest and say you know, hey we love this ride you know we don't want to see it go, you know I'm okay with that you know I mean yeah, there's I mean, things that we don't want to see leave. Yeah, Dwayne's. Spot on. Can you, Mark, can you pull up that uh, group shot of this, this crew? Oh, sure. Yeah. So in what's really wild about this timing is this is 1997. So, you know, we're 2021 and everybody's thinking, you know, the internet is there's people who spend six to eight hours on the internet a day. The internet was in its infancy and save toad.com or save the toad.com became a URL and they had a virtual toad hall, this group that made the t-shirts and they made signs. I love this NWO new war order sign. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. The NWO t-shirt um, guys, t-shirt idea right there. We have two, we have two t-shirt creators. <laughs> Why do we not gentlemen from magic Monday lane or from, from uh walrus carp? Why do we not have a, a new word order t-shirt? We need that in our lives. I, I, so I also had another idea for a t-shirt. I was thinking uh, Toad Story Mania because he's like mad at the entire time. Like you just have to drive him around in a cart. I like it. We need that new word order order shirt though. I'm legit. I need that shirt. I'll buy like 10 of them. <laughs> oh, 
So I know a guy. I know. Yeah, I know a guy. So the fight, the essentially, let's say this to to lead into the top, the fight to save Mister Toad was well underway. You had protests. Disney actually increased security, both marked and unmarked security, to try to make sure that like these people weren't going to do anything silly or stupid. The the uh, the protests were all peaceful. There was nothing crazy that was done. There was no destruction. It was just a bunch of Disney fans that were letting their displeasure be heard. Lo and behold, they were not able to save the ride. And it was retired and replaced by the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which continues to be there to this day. But I think it's important to say, again, as kind of a retrospective on this, Disney has their plan. They're going to execute their plan. Kirk brings up an amazing point. The only way that consumers can really make the difference is to vote with their wallet. And the trouble nowadays, gentlemen, and, and if I'm wrong, you're more than welcome to correct me on this, but I feel like... These kind of things are just minor inconveniences to the overall fans. And, you know, even the current stuff, people are still voting with their wallets and they're still going in droves. Disney has an endless supply of consumers who are willing to overlook a singular experience for the, you know, the overall quality of what they're seeing. And the overall quality is still really good. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get a Disney experience or a Disney themed park anywhere in the world. That's why they're second to none. And the truth is, is there's a lot of rides that people complain about that I see people smile and laugh and have a great time coming, going on or coming off or in the queues or chatting about it on an exit queue. So to me, sure, there's things that could be done better. Uh, but you know, I have a terrible response for this, but I think it's funny is like they make one better. Yeah. Like, just do it. Like if you're going to complain that it's so terrible and it's so awful and all these things, well, do one better. And I, I think that there is an opportunity for somebody like, uh, I think universal, uh, I don't know if you saw any of their discourse back and forth when, oh, Shrek. you know, Disney, well, Disney was complaining about annual passes, um, and you know, not feeling like they were being appreciated and they weren't a thing during COVID and all these other trials and tribulations and like the Twitter on universal APs was hysterical and was like, Hey, we opened a lounge for you guys. Come and hang out. It's the water's fine over here, you know? So like someone in the marketplace will fill the void. And, um, but I, I, I do think it's a vocal minority. It's a vocal minority towards the hate, but honestly, those people are still coming to the parks and having a great time because it's a lot of fun. People it is. Yeah. I mean, if people move on, the thing is, is there, again, there's tons of consumers that will gobble up that spot in a heartbeat. Okay, can I have a controversial question? And what this is like a roundtable question. Everybody like, has to answer it, right? Ooh, I, li- I like this. Uh, what would be the one? Like, what would be your T-shirt civil protest that you found out that they were removing? What attraction would really, really bother you? Um, I said this on a previous podcast. I'm going to stand by it, and I'm and I will be one of these these like wing nuts that will be there with the T-shirt on if the tiki room is removed i will flip out because it's an original walt attraction that is the genesis of audio animatronics in the park i do not care how outdated it becomes i do not care how few people go to see it the tiki room is a museum it's my mausoleum to all things that are holy in walt disney world do not, I repeat, do not take away the Tiki room. 
I will be out there. I will chain myself like the people who chain themselves to the, the trees. I will chain myself to the tiki room and not allow them to demolish it. You know, I, I have a suggestion uh, to, I think they should sell a after hours ticketed dinner event because Walt always wanted that to be a restaurant. And the reason why it originally was supposed to be actual birds but if you had, you know, birds above you, obviously, and you're eating, that's going to be a problem, right? So that's why audio animatronics became a thing. So much so that Walt cared about the details of the fact that the birds had to breathe. And people were like, who cares about the birds breathing? He goes, I want the birds to breathe. So it's just like those little idiosyncratic things that I think were so particular about how Walt cared about finer details. He didn't know how to do necessarily everything, but that's why he had such a great Imagineering Wedway team. Uh, but making that a ticketed event and I don't want to disrupt it because it's an amazing way to get away from crowds, sun, all those things, rain. I've used the Tiki room for a million reasons and I absolutely love the fact I will never wait for it because you never have to wait. The capacity is just so huge and they're always doing shows. Uh, but a ticketed event where you could dine in the Tiki room should be a thing. I wouldn't hate that. I'll tell you right now, as long as the Tiki room is there in some form or fashion, I will, um, I'll die on that hill, man. Dwayne, I'm interesting. I'm interested to see how you feel about this one. Um, my first initial thought, and that's the one I'm going to run with because I've thought of a couple since, but my initial thought when you asked that question was space mountain. For me, I would flip out (laughs) if the, if we lost space mountain, I mean, honestly, that, I know people don't like it. Some people don't. I know people talk about how it hurts them and, you know, uh, it's so tight for big people to get in and out of or hurt your back. And I think you're going to be secure. Yeah. I think you're going to be secure in that. I think that's too iconic and it's too well, it's too well visited. And here's another reason. Uh, Magic Kingdom just released their lightning lane picks. It's you have seven doors, mine train and, And and space mountain. Yeah, those are the a la carte options. So, you know, yeah. those are the best of the best. Although, uh, arguably, I would say Mickey and Minnie's being uh, an option in studios versus Slinky. I would actually legit pay 10 to $15 to ride Slinky and not have to wait because that's right. such a great fun ride. I would see value in that. Yeah, Slinky Dog is uh, it's really, really fun. So what is what is yours, Kurt? Well, Dwayne, also that building is so iconic. You can't get rid yeah. of the Space Mountain building. That is Tomorrowland's centerpiece. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for me. But that was my initial thought. I mean, what yeah. ride would I flip out? I mean, I would, you know, lose it. Now, what I will say, if you, because I know you're a fan of this one too, you do legitimately, I think, have to be worried about the Country Bears. I think yeah. you really have to be worried about them. I do. Especially, I just heard... Uh, I'm, I just read somewhere and I, I haven't really even confirmed it that they're uh, going to be shutting down the shooting gallery. Um, what's it like end of November? It's that it's closing for good. Well, it's free. Is there, even though it's free, is there a real line there? I haven't been to there. there is a I, line. I know. So when I was there yesterday, uh, I was going to go and shoot and there's like two deep. So behind every single gun, there's somebody yeah. waiting because you know, because when it's the, free, you can just keep on playing in repeat, you know? Here's also a fun fact. When I was at Six Flags Great Adventure, we used to take uh, disposable cameras and the flash would make all of the uh, targets go off. And so if you took a flash picture in that shooting gallery, every single target would go off at once. (laughs) 
Oh, that's, that's a, cool. That's an and amazing it's tip. hysterical to see because it's like everything goes off and you're just, it's like so much noise. Can you do that on TikTok? Can you make a TikTok? Go, Dude, go. I would get, I would get like thrown in prison. Oh, you think so? You think they would freak? There's, there's certain things that, you know, even today I had a, um, I got evacuated from Carousel Progress and I had a TikTok and it started going viral. And I was like, ah, you know what? It has a little bit of backstage. And I took it down because I was like, I don't even want to risk anything. It's not worth the risk. It's bro. just not. Yeah. So I so I just like pulled it down. But I wasn't even thinking like that because it was so innocuous with just like, all right, we're exiting the ride. And it's interesting. Like to me as a Disney fan, that's like super interesting to be able to see back there. Yeah. I'm not like Adam the Woo jumping over a closed off area to take content to try to like boost. Uh, th- like I honestly don't care if my content goes super popular or anything. If somebody finds it funny or educational or it makes their Disney loving parks life better, that's really what the purpose of the content is. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I, I just, I'm more cognizant of it now more than ever, because if I lost Disney in my life, that would, it's not worth anything it, funny, humorous, it, whatever. Yeah, man. It's not. TikTok is not worth getting trespassed, losing your annual pass, getting, you know, trespassed from the parks. And they, I mean, they don't do it for, they don't do it for minor infractions. Like I wouldn't get bounced for that, but like cucumber chick on oh living with the land, gosh. she's gone. Yeah. She's never coming back. You know? Yeah. Uh, the dude that was drinking out of fountains a few weeks ago, like to be funny. Yeah. And he was a cast member too. He's gone. Well, he also, it wasn't just drinking from fountains. He was legitimately backstage. He was in the wedding pavilion and got into the wedding pavilion. See, I don't know if that's, if that's really accurate though, because I was at the grand flow and they had two things open. They had DVC rooms open that you could go into and, and view and the wedding pavilion was open. Now, I don't know whether or not the way that it's framed in the video, it looks like he's just opening a random door, Yeah. but you could actually check out the wedding pavilion when I was there because, um, that's what he said. Access. Yeah. And, but that's, I, no, I know, but like, I think it's the way it's framed necessarily, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but he's, he's very particular, interesting influencer. So whatever. Well, that's his thing. He's, he's like a shock jock for TikTok. His, his he, thing is he's yeah. in it for dude. He's in it for the shock value. He's also in it for personal fame. Yes. It has nothing to do with the parks or other people. It has everything to do with it. It's called you content. You yeah. know what I mean? Where it he, just showcases you. Yeah. He doesn't have to be a parks, you know, a parks creator to like his end goal is not to be a Disney creator. His end goal no. is to just be famous. He just wants to be the, the next. Uh, what's the guy that's universally hated that just got beat on by uh, the boxer? Um, I can't remember his name. Uh, you know what? I'm not even going to give oh, him another. Logan Paul. And thank stuff. you, yeah, Logan yeah, Paul. I'm not you. even going to give him a minute of, of my airtime. All right. Let me let me pull it back. Uh, for me, my big one would have to be Pirates. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean would upset me so much. Not only is the theming, it's so iconic to that area. It's a perfect cue. It's an absolutely perfect cue. It's got great, like fun details. It's also really comfortable in there. The music is playing, but it's a different version of the music and it kind of escalates. And then there's some fun history moments uh, within that cue, the chess scene, the digging scene, which I don't know if you guys have ever recognized that where they're digging. Um, there's some ties to big thunder as well in there, which is pretty crazy, but we'll save that for another episode. Let me know if you need any help on that campaign. I'll sign on for that one too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it, as a kid, I remember distinctly buying in the gift shop, a pistol and I actually have the pistol. Um, my mom actually found it in an old box cause they're looking to move as well. 
So I got like, I'm moving and I have all these boxes and my mom goes, Hey, I have all these other boxes for you. And it was tons of stuff. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't rightfully throw any of it out. Like I have a Skippy doll from uh alien encounter. Do you remember Skippy? I do. So wow. I have a big plush from Skippy and then all these, other, I was such a huge stuffed animal and, and Disney parks fan. Like I have all these old park maps and tickets and like I even saved menus when I was a kid. So I've like, Disney's Caribbean beach resort menus from 1996. Like that's just, you need to turn your garage into like a one man's journey kind of like museum. I'll pay admission to come and see all this stuff. I have, I have all this stuff. And that's the thought is like, eventually we'll have, you know, an office or a place where we can showcase all these things. That's why I couldn't get rid of it. But uh, I lost my pistol, my pirate's pistol. And we were staying at the poly on this trip the one and only time I ever stayed at the poly. I told my parents I would buy the room. Like I was a real crazy kid at like six years old and they replaced my, uh, my pistol and you know, little, little pixie dust there on that one. Nice. Disney them. always helps out. Even if it's not their fault, they always make it magical. Well, they, they used to, they used to write your name on the pistols much like, uh, when they were doing all the, the names on the back of, um, hats. I don't know if they still do that for Mickey hats, but like embroidery, they would, they wrote my name like real fancy on a gun. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I love it's my gun. This is my rifle. Mm -hmm. There are many like it, but this one is mine. And that one was, well, until I lost it. And then I got, (laughs) then someone else got the same one. Yeah. Well then some other kid was running around with a pistol that said Kirk and everyone's like, (laughs) is that yours? Yes. (laughs) He, (laughs) he, for the rest of his life, he had to answer as to why his pistol said Kirk on it. People were like, they knew they were like, you thief, you're not Kirk. You took he Kirk's, was a real pirate. Yeah. You took Kirk's hey, pistol. Dude, that's, that's the real <laughs> essence of pirates, right? That's right. He was a real pirate. So. Dude, do you think people, all right, this is a total aside. Do you think anybody, I've seen people put their hands in the water on pirates, yeah. which is horrifying. Like, dude, there's an underwater track. You could lose you could, your hand. Yeah. Right? You could cut your, yeah. You can get cut pretty bad. So I've man. seen people like splashing and they think it's funny, right? How many people a year do you think? try to smuggle water out from any of the water rides. Um, I, I, I would bet it's probably higher than, than we think. Do you think, do you think it's over under a thousand? Uh, under, I'd say it's probably a few hundred though. I'd say it's probably a few hundred. I, I remember I was shocked when I heard that people spread ashes in the haunted mansion. Oh yeah. A lot. That like, happens a lot. Like, like way, way more than a thousand. It's like every day somebody's every, throwing. Yep. People said out. almost every, almost every day they have, they have issues with stuff like that. Let me use this as an opportunity for the here and now to talk about Dwayne's Disney trivia. To enter Dwayne's Disney trivia, you're going to head to this thisdislifepodcast.com and leave the show a voicemail with the correct answer to Dwayne's question. If you answer the question correctly, you get an entry into this month's grand prize. This month's sponsor and prize is being offered by our incredible friends over at Delisi Design. We Disney super fans are always looking for those special touches in designing our at-home Disney sanctuaries. And if you're like us, sometimes you just cannot find the perfect souvenir when leaving the parks. Andy and Nick over at Delisi Design have been developing one-of-a-kind signs and stands to scratch that age-old itch of, I wish they made this or I wish they made that. (laughs) 
Delisi Design prides itself in bringing your ideas to life. They develop custom, handmade designs ranging from your favorite attraction signs to the most lovable characters from the big screen. So head over to Instagram and follow them at Delisi Design, D-E-L-I-S-I underscore design to check out their work. Their DMs are always open to the craziest ideas you may have. All right, Dwayne, hit us with this week's <laughs> Disney trivia. All right. So uh, this question's probably a little bit of a, a trick question here, maybe. But uh, the question is, what is the oldest attraction in Magic Kingdom? Ooh. So we're talking legends today. So what is the oldest attraction in the Magic Kingdom? Trick questions. Yeah. I like it. So let let us know uh, what your answer is and uh, call the show, leave your name and tell yes. us the correct answer and you'll be entered to win. You are so sneaky, my friend. Okay. So let's review. You're going to re- you're going to answer that question. You're going to lodge the answer to that question. You're going to go to this dislikepodcast.com, Click the leave a voicemail button with the correct answer. So every time you get a correct answer this month, you're entered into the grand prize for the Yui, Dewey and Louie sign from Delisi design. It's amazing. Kirk, you actually got to enter that. It's like a kick-ass sign, dude. It's really awesome. It's really cool. And dude, I've seen their stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, those people guys are, so are great. talented. It's like incredible. Um, I, never, I never realized how many people make these things have done contracted work too for Disney. Yep. Like I didn't realize how many third party artists Disney employs. They're not all mm-hmm. in house. Super yeah. interesting. And they're Jersey guys too. So that'll warm your heart. They are from New Jersey. They're working out in New Jersey. So like, dude, right. No brainer. Dude, I got called out last night at Oga's because I said, hey, can I get a fuzzy tauntaun and a water? And, and the people to my right go, oh, a water, you must be uh, from the Northeast. And I was like, uh. Got yeah. me. <laughs> got me. You got me. You D-D-E-R. Be like, yep. And you know what? You should have snapped back and be like, yep, I am. And you know what? Our bagels and our pizza are better than yours. <laughs> so what? You know. That is one thing uh, it is hard to find down here, which is kind of weird, right? So, like, you think about, like, differences between the Northeast and uh, down here in the South. There's a lot. Uh, But, dude, just change the water chemistry. Like, that's all you have to do. Like, if people complain the water's harder up in the Northeast, we'll just change the water. We did that in brewing all the time. You know, you could make any kind of water profile. You just reverse osmosis water and then, boom, bam, hit it with, you know, salts and everything. And and there you go. You got awesome. There, there's actually really good. Here's an opportunity. Hard ice cream. Do you guys know what I mean by hard ice cream? Yeah. Like dipped hard ice cream. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. There's none of it down here. Zero. Really? There's like maybe two shops in all of uh, Pinellas County, which is the West section um, past Tampa, like more towards the beach. No joke. Everything is soft serve. They love soft serve down here. Everything is soft serve. All right, I'm coming. I'm bringing huge bushels of Hershey's ice cream. I'm coming. Oh, I'm yeah, coming dude. down. Let's Some go. Hand dipped Hershey's we, ice cream. If we opened up a hand dipped ice cream place, people who are transplants from up north would go crazy because it just doesn't exist. Can There's I Cold Stone and stuff like that, but not like a like a local, cool, unique flavored nothing, dude. So can I be completely honest with you for a second? Like I'm not, again, not for the sake of just like, you know, sounding cool or whatnot. I used to, I was a teacher. I taught for 15 years. Do you, do you know what my retirement and my exit strategy was that because I I knew I was going to retire in my fifties with years of service, my idea in perpetuity was 
to open up an ice cream place. And then every summer that I could work basically during the summer. And then because I used to teach at school, then in the off peak travel seasons, I would, I would travel all over the place. But in the summer I would still have like an income to be able to, to do that kind of stuff. That was my dream. So I'm in you and let's go. What's three, we call it three guys. Ice cream. uh, Do we call it the Tiki spoon? And, uh, And do we just make a tiki themed ice cream shop down here with like all Polynesian and then we can serve them in like really cool, you know? Yes. I'm in. Dude, we're calling, I'm calling a businessman. Let's do it. Let's do it. The tiki spoon. Let's do it. I like it. Dwayne, you're part of one, two, three. I like it. It, It's here. Absolutely. It's here. We're going to cut that out. No one's allowed. It's trademarked. So do not, do not. It's trademarked. As of right now, I trademark it. I trademark it. (laughs) You have to just write it on a letter and send it to yourself. It's like Michael from uh, from the office. I declare bankruptcy. That's not how it works, Michael. <laughs> I declare a trademark. <laughs> All right, guys, to close up the show, let's talk about Mr. Toad's Magical Kingdom legacy. While the ride is gone and we now just have to wax poetic or visit California in order to see an iteration of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. The ride that replaced it is The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, but there is a wink and a nod to Mr. Toad there and also at another location in the Magic Kingdom. So for those super fans that are rocking the t-shirt, like Kirk has the the retro merch on, I also have one of those shirts. But for the super fans who have never forgotten, the people that still rail against the new wart order... Where can they see their fallen hero at the Magic Kingdom nowadays? Dwayne, you got Dwayne. You take Winnie the Pooh, and I'll take uh, the next one. All right. So uh, when and I'm trying to. What room is that in? It's in the. Uh, it's, it's on the owls, A side. In the owls like creaking. Wind. Yeah. And when you come in on the left hand side, there there is a picture on the wall of uh, Mister Toad actually handing the deed over to the owl and uh, Mr. Owl there. And so there's a little nod there. And then down, I believe it's down on the floor to the right um, is Moley, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah, it's it's so Moley like tipping his hat yeah, off. Tipping his and, hat. Yeah. Uh, Pooh is standing outside the doorway, basically taking over. It, it's mm-hmm. actually where, Owl's one is the deed to Toad Hall. The moly one is Mr. Sanders tree. Right. Very cool. I, I love those kind of things that to me, that's a lot of fun. And there is another location that some of you may or may not have noticed. Where is that second location, which is a really cool one. I love this one, Kirk. Yeah. Which has some great hidden details anyway. So if you've never noticed it, maybe because you were too scared and you ran off, but at the end of Haunted Mansion, when you're exiting on the left-hand side, there's all these mausoleum plaques. But then once you go past that, there's a raw iron gate and a, like a green grassy uh, inclined hill. And at the very, very top center would be one James Thaddeus toad in uh, it's actually a full figure of him. It's not just a bust. Uh, and so, yeah, they, they have a little commemoration in a pet cemetery and there's all these other pets too, that are deceased in there, which have some really, really fun. I I wonder if that was just like some dark way to like get back at the protesters. Like, you know, if it wasn't like, (laughs) a real, yeah, it was like, Hey, we killed this dude. (laughs) We're, we're going to like leave this here for just as a reminder. We, we could, you know what's this is totally an aside and I'm sorry I'm derailing it and I don't I don't necessarily know if that was like a big dig against them but it's funny 
uh, I were doing our research. I had no idea that Disneyland Paris had a Toad Hall restaurant. They do. You guys know that? And in, in our research, I uh, it, it popped up. Um, I didn't realize that it was still there. I thought maybe that was also something that was that was older. As as far as I see, because I, I went on to the Disneyland Paris website, because of course, if it's a restaurant, I'm going to look at the menu. They serve all British food, so it's like fish and chips, and kind of like a almost looking shepherd's pie without a top or like a meat pie would basically be what it looks like. But yeah. And, and the inside sconces and there's a great fireplace, uh, all Mr. Toted out, which I just am like, Oh, it's so cool. I actually thought they may have had a ride, but it's right next to the show building for Peter Pan's flight. So. I feel like we should probably go gentlemen to go and research it firsthand. I think you can make a few it's for science. food videos and TikToks and, it, you know, like, like shit's key, uh, shit's Creek. It's a write-off. It's a write-off, right? It, I like that, it. that is a write-off. I keep all of my receipts too for food and everything. Cause it's all, <laughs> this is so ridiculous. Like, what am I even doing? This is like a legitimate <laughs> business. But it's like, you could, cause we're doing all the things that we enjoy, but I'm like, Oh, I took a video on it. <laughs> Marketing. Right. Well, that, it's like uh Lori with travel. She always oh, yeah. says, you know, she she goes on another trip and she says, honey, it's research. Yep. She's, she's got to do wrong. research. No, she's, she's not wrong. Totally hey, not I, wrong. I did want to say one thing, and this is just a rumor. And if you're looking at Mr. Toad there in the pet cemetery, you don't see any markings on the the stone there. But the, there's a popular rumor that goes around, and I'll just play to the rumor, and that there's a saying on that stone there around the back. Oh, I just lost it. And here it is. And it says, here lies Toad. It's sad but true. Not nearly as marketable, marketable as Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> and, uh, that's, yeah, that's a rumor. Like this. But, uh, the salt, salt guy. I'm salt guy right now. <laughs> Salt dude. I'm doing the movement. Just splashing the salt down my forearm. Yeah. But it's kind of funny. And uh, I hope it is true because it, it's pretty funny. Listen, of all the flavors you could have chose, you went with salty. <laughs> Gentlemen, this was a lot of fun. Kirk will be back. Rest assured, we are going to be talking about other legends of the Magic Kingdom. Some of them gone, others that are going to be with us for forever. But now that the move is complete, Kirk will be joining us from time to time to discuss these legends of the magic kingdom. Kirk, congratulations again on the move. Yeah. We're huge fans here at Diz life, whatever you need and or want from us and our community, man, like we're in like, just as you said, you're like, you're in, we're in with you. We love what you're doing. I love the shirts. They are always like my favorite shirts. Um, Sarah Thurgood, who just returned from a trip said of no prompting or coaching on my part, how many people told her they loved her shirt and asked her where she got her shirt from. And again, if you are in the market for snack based t-shirts and apparel that everyone in the park is going to take notice and say, what a funny, creative and cool concept, head over to walruscarp.com. Our good friend Kirk has an amazing, amazing shop. They are super comfortable. I love the material. The graphics on them are just absolutely great, and they're super funny. I can't think of a nicer guy, a nicer shop. We are so proud to rep him. Dude, whatever we can do, you let us know. Yeah, well, 
doing. I the wore legend. those sunglasses the entire trip that we were just down. I rocked them every day, and uh, and of course, I also love my Galactic Trash T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Kirk. <laughs> oh, dude, that's amazing. Uh, every time I'm in the parks, it always does amaze me. You're in the queues. And, you know, this is just like one of those great things about Disney. I love complimenting people on their attire or cosplay or whatever, or bags. People love to talk about lounge fly bags or whatever. And um, guaranteed, if you wear our shirts, you're going to get into at least six conversations yep. when you're in the parks. Uh, and even if it's just like a passing by, like, oh, I love your shirt. And it's just, yeah. You know, it, and to me, when somebody says, I love your shirt, it means they get it. Like, cause we're, we're not like, so baseline where we just take IP and splatter it up there. And it's very generic. It's very like some of these things cut really, really deep. And you have to really be a true Disney fan yeah. to even understand what the heck we're talking about. So to me, that's, that's our audience. Our audience isn't the person who has a, a mom, dad, son, kid, same exact Etsy style shirt. You know, that's just not what we market it to. We yeah, market it only to people who are crazy diehard Disney fans and get it. And that's what it's all about. Deep cut Diz. Yep. I love it. Deep cut. But listen, hey, Legends of the Magic Kingdom, I am your Kirk Fogg. You are my Omek. And I am into doing this whenever you want. Dude, let's let's book the next one. I can't wait. Uh, thank you again to everyone who joined us. We were a little bit long in this one, but we were having so much fun. We couldn't cut it off at the hour. Thank you so much for following us. Thank you so much for tuning in week in and week out. If you're from the beautiful state of Idaho or Vermont, we love you even more because what we learned when we were looking, I've never looked at analytics. We have two states yet left to conquer. So tell your friends in Idaho and Vermont so we can collect everything like Thanos and take over the world. But until then, thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful week. And I hope that it is filled with faith, trust, and pixie dust. We'll see you real soon. See you guys. This Diz Life podcast is brought to you by the Happiness is Addictive collection. Happiness is Addictive is passionate about spreading laughter and creating smiles worldwide. They love bringing their global community together through optimism, cheer, hopefulness, merriment, and celebrating life's magical moments. They know how important it is to celebrate life's adventures, and their apparel will give you everlasting, one-of-a-kind memories through pixie-dusted family photos, compliments from park guests, and magical moments with cast members. They pride themselves on high-quality, custom-made apparel at competitive prices with world-class service. Let them help you create a lifetime of memories, whether you're Disney-bounding, kicking it poolside, participating in run Disney marathons, having costumed adventures, or just living your best Disney life. You can find their Happiness is Addictive shop on Etsy. You can also find them on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Pinterest. They are proud to be featured in Indie Central Florida, the Thoughtful Gift Club, and now here on Diz Life Podcast. Their collection was founded by a 15-year former cast member who knows how to enhance your magical moments for a lifetime of memories with your family. Don't forget to use promo code DISLIFE15 to take an extra 15% off. What are you waiting for? Head over to Etsy and start getting happy today. Follow the link in our show notes and you'll find out for yourself that happiness is addictive.